Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you back with us for another episode of the Real Estate Masters Podcast. I have a very interesting guest today, and I think I want to really encourage you not to turn off just mentally from this interview because I have a great guest, great Grant Clayton. He's out of New Orleans, Louisiana, the North Shore. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I just want to tell you to have an open mind and don't turn anything off. I love hearing different ways of thinking and different ideas. And that's a lot of what this interview is. It is not the typical real estate agent, how we market ourselves. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you know, as I say, I interview different people that are top producers and we learn something from every one of them. And I really believe there's going to be something that you'll learn from this interview. However, it is quite different than the traditional agent in the traditional interview. And I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to spoil it. So just listen to the interview. I love Grant. A lot of personality, a lot of energy. Just a person that I feel like I'd be really great friends with if we lived near each other. So that's coming up right away. Let me just say to you really quick, please subscribe to the podcast and give us any feedback. Share it with other people. Give us a mention on social media. I will appreciate that so very much. Help us grow the podcast and make it worthwhile for us to continue to put these interviews together and get the podcast out to you. So I'll have comments at the end of the podcast. Stay with it. And let me just share a few thoughts with you. We'll get right to the interview with Grant Clayton. Grant, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. So tell us about you and how you got started in real estate. Let's get this going. Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, So I was a basketball coach. My wife was in the military. We met, got married, decided to uh, to move to another area before we had kids, just kind of on a whim, you know, just the kind of things that you do before you have kids, I guess. Oh, wow. So you just, just up and moved to someplace new and, and, and I'm curious, so what caused you, I mean, like, did you have family where you went and, and tell us where you are? All right. I had family where I left. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and so, so basically we were like, okay, we want to live close to our family, but not like right beside them. So, gotcha. um, so we moved to the North shore. I live in the new Orleans area. Okay. We moved to the North shore and this was a couple of years after Katrina, like probably four years after Katrina, something like that. You know, a lot of the area was still torn up from, from Katrina but this area wasn't on the, on the North shore, like kind of North Northwest of new Orleans. And so real estate was just booming there because there were so many people who still needed to be in or around the city and didn't really have a place to live because, you know, everything was still trashed. So we decided to get into real estate. And so her and I both got our real estate licenses and and joined a company there. Just, Hey, why not? We don't know anybody here. We don't know what we're doing. You know, you're you're in the military and you're a nurse and I'm a basketball coach. We should both get into real estate at the same time. Now, and, that is crazy. So, I mean, so really what there has to be something that really made you want to get into real estate. So basically, we just we looked around and we saw how quickly houses were selling. Yeah. And it looked like an interesting thing to do. My realtor that sold me my house, he actually he owned a real estate company. He had his own online real estate school. And he's like, dude, you know, you're good with people. You should do it. And so I was like, sure, why not? Let, let's do that. And um, mm. so my wife and I went through the class and, you know, the rest is kind of history. I mean, yeah. I can't explain why we did it. We just, we just did. Yeah. <laughs> Young and um, yeah, let's just do it. I, I love right. that. Yeah. My husband and I, we really used to be a lot more like that. I think the older we've got, we, we're not as much that way anymore, but for sure, my husband and I were both had a real estate license. Actually, when we were 18, we both had real estate licenses, but his mother was in the business. So pulled us in. But that's cool. So so how did it go? You don't know anyone there. But I'm assuming, as your realtor said, from your personality, it didn't take you long to get to know people. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't know anybody here. I had no sphere. I had no friends. I had no nothing. And so and my wife was I mean, she was in the same boat as me, but she's kind of the quiet one. So it was even it was even more difficult for her. So we just I don't know, just kind of made it work. 
So I'm a second generation real estate professional. My dad was a, a commercial real estate developer, but he never really did residential. Okay. And so I was always around real estate as a kid, but I was never like, never in this side of the business and something just pulled me to this side of the business. Um, yeah, just, just funny how that happens, right? Funny how so the universe works. Yeah. So what happened? So you both got a real estate license and, and what happened from there? So we joined one of the bigger local companies and we basically, we liked it, but we became very kind of disillusioned with the whole process. We basically, around that time, it was a lot more common to have 50-50 splits or 60-40 splits, even if you're not on a team. And so we didn't get a ton of training as far as, you know, how to find transactions, how to do deals. Real estate coaching wasn't, you know, it wasn't then what it does now. Right. And so, you know, we got, we got trained to some degree how to do contracts and listing agreements and stuff like that. But when it came to doing everything else, we, we felt very much on our own. And every deal that we, we did, we absolutely earned ourselves. Nothing was given to us. And basically, at some point, we just looked at ourselves and we're like, why are we giving half of our money to this broker who, who isn't really doing anything for us? All they're doing right. is kind of, you know, covering themselves. Yeah. And, and so we left that brokerage and, and went to my friend's brokerage, who, which is probably where we should have started all along because he put us through his real estate school. And, and basically, we went from a 50-50 split to like a 90-10 split. And our philosophy once we did that was we took basically that, that dramatically helped our bottom line. We took that, that assistance to our bottom line, that, that much better split, and we offered it to, to builders and house flippers and investors in savings to get more listings. And it, it worked incredibly well. We were making the same exact money per deal, but now we had a value proposition to get us a ton of listings. And that's really what launched our career. Wow. So tell me more about that. Basically, before we went down that road, we did everything. I mean, I door knocked, I gave away, you know, trick or treat bags, I cold called, I sat there and stared at the phone at the office waiting for it to ring. I mean, you name it, I did it. And none of it seemed to work. And so basically, what I figured out was, if you control the listings, you control the market. You know, if you have all the listings, then you're going to do great. If you don't have any listings, then you're just it's a matter of time before a buyer or two or three falls through and then you're just dead. And, yeah. and so what I decided was I would rather control a lot of new construction listings, renovation listings, like house flipper listings. I would rather control a bunch of those because the deals are easier. You know, inspections are easier on a brand new home, obviously. Deals are much less likely to fall through. And so since it's a, it was a much easier deal, I just started reaching out very privately to all the home builders saying, look, I know everybody else is charging two and a half, three percent to list properties. Give me all your listings and I'll charge you one and a half. Wow. And and do the same level of service. And I just I was inundated with listings. Um, wow. I went I went from losing money our first year to well in six figures by year two. And wow. one of the top promoters. Wow. So that's quite a shift. Did you have a lot of opposition from other real estate agents in your area? I mean, initially, no, because we basically kept it a secret. Okay. It wasn't something where, you know, we were shouting it from the rooftops. We, it was just between us and the builders or the house flipper or whoever else. It was just, it was very quiet. It was like, Hey, this is something we're doing. We're not really public about it, but this is what we're offering about this. And, you know, we did great for about three or four years. And so let let me clarify. So on, in that situation, you're offering you're only adjusting the commission on the listing side. Your correct. selling agent is going to get the same amount of commission. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Okay. We've never, ever, ever, ever discounted a buyer's agent. Yeah. Ever. Okay. I don't care what the situation is. You know, like I've worked with a ton of buyers. I've missed games. I've missed things for my kids because yeah. a buyer had to go see houses yeah. all weekend. And buyer's agents, they work their butts off. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like buyer's agents should be discounted. I feel like the way I look at it is there's two separate jobs being performed. You're, you're hiring your listing agent to do a certain thing, which is market and negotiate and lead me through the process of selling this particular piece of property. The buyer's agent is paid for selling any property. So it's basically it's it's bait on a hook and mm. you're trying to catch a buyer's agent is what you're doing. And so right. I don't ever I don't like fishing with no bait. You're much less likely to catch fish. 
So in that scenario, are you working with buyers as well or uh, only yeah. with sellers? No. So, so basically what we did is the typical agent nowadays, unfortunately, is spending, many of them are spending a lot of money to buy buyer leads, either giving up referrals or giving or paying Zillow or whoever a ton of money to buy buyer leads in the hope that they can work their sphere that's growing through the buyer leads and maybe one day get listings. My philosophy is I would rather charge less money to list houses, get a lot more listings, and then generate buyers from my listings. Absolutely. You know, it's just simpler, it's easier, it's more profitable. It's It has me spending more time doing income producing work as opposed to doing the grind that I hope leads to income producing work. I think that's what most realtors hate is okay, the grind. Now, let's talk about that because that's a very interesting, just that whole phrase right there and processing that thought because I know a lot of real estate agents are spending tons of time on their marketing, their social media presence. Maybe that's cold calling. Maybe that's door knocking. So you're saying you're spending more time on income producing efforts. How'd you say that? I don't think I'm saying income producing work. So what I I would consider income producing work is writing an offer, signing a listing agreement, showing houses to a buyer, Mm -hmm. like working the client that you have. Right. What I consider non-income producing work is grinding, trying to find a client to work with. Yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. And uh, tell me how this is is playing out. Sure. So basically did it very, very secretly and very privately for several years, like four years. And, and it worked out incredibly well. And then slowly we started getting backlash, even though I never discounted a buyer's agent and I was always taking the discount on my side and I was quiet about it. So once we started getting pushback on it, I was like, well, it obviously works. Why am I keeping it a secret? And this pushback so, is coming from other real estate agents. I'm absolutely. Assuming. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing this. You're, you know, the typical, you know, you're devaluing yourself. You should know your worth. You're ruining the industry, all that stuff. And, and my point of view on it was, look, if this is better for me and my wife, who are the realtors, like if we're more profitable and we have a better, you know, career happiness because we're doing it this way and we're saving our clients money and we're still doing a good job and we're not discounting the buyer's agent, how could that be bad for the industry? But they all like, oh, you're horrible for the industry. And so basically my philosophy at that point went from, well, I'm keeping it a secret and I'm still catching flack for it. <laughs> Why don't I do the opposite of keeping it a secret? And so that's what we did. We looked at our books. We tried to figure out how much money we needed to charge per listing to do really well. And honestly, in our market, which was under 300000 it was 1%. So we charge 1% to list homes. And that's, that includes professional photography, everything you would typically expect. The only thing we're not doing is open houses, broker tours, and, and magazines, because frankly, like statistically, that just doesn't work anymore. And so we're still offering a buyer's agent two and a half sometimes 3%, sometimes 2%, depending on what the market norm is, because we now have 22 office locations. We just opened uh, Vineyard, Utah yesterday. Oh, wow. So we're opening across the country. Basically, it's we've doubled our sales volume every single year. We're, we were rated as Inc. 5000's third fastest growing private brokerage in the entire country. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And that's just our home office. We scaled our home office from 200000 to almost $2.5 million in revenue in within three years. Say that again. We scaled our home office revenue from $200,000 to almost $2.5 million within three years. Wow. And it's, it's literally just because of the value proposition. And we're just telling people that. I'm yeah. sorry, what were you about to ask? No, that's fine. So how many agents do you have there now? At our home office, we have about 25. In this area, we have about... In this area in and around greater New Orleans, we have about 60, an, an, a small handful more throughout the state. And we're up to about 120, 130 agents total throughout the company. So what do you feel like the future looks like for that? I'm expecting, so we're we're opening Rhode Island in a week. We open Seattle by the end of the year. We're getting, we're in negotiations to open four or five in Texas. I suspect we'll have a hundred franchises open by the end of next year. Wow. And I'm hoping to have 300 open by the following year. So what is your role now? 
I sell franchises, I recruit agents, and I train agents. Um, okay. So basically, I'm I'm the recruiter and the trainer for both at, at the franchise level and at the agent level. So what do you feel like is the pushback that you're getting from agents? How has that changed in your area? Are you still are you still kind of viewed as that company that is annoying? And <laughs> what's yeah. that look like now? So it's funny. So like once people get to know me, they almost hate to say they're like, man, I actually kind of like the guy, but they don't like what I'm doing. Some of them. What we're doing, to put it simply, is there's big luxury top producers in our market. And I, I shouldn't just say luxury. So there's the luxury agent, the luxury agent crowd. Then there's the, the top producers that just do a ton of transactions. And then there's the agents that for a long time, they're like, well, I got to pay somebody 6%. I, I might as well pay my neighbor. And that neighbor was doing, you know, five, six deals a year and making 40 grand, you know, 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, just from doing a small handful of deals, despite the fact that they didn't really perfect their brand. They didn't perfect their marketing. They didn't perfect anything about themselves. They just kind of like deals just defaulted to them. And that's the agent that is really getting pinched by our company. The luxury agents, the top producers, they're still doing great. I equate it like cars, like know what you're pitching. Like, all right, here's the simplest way I can explain it. And this is my point of view on this. And you might may differ, but this is how I look at it. So you have agents to say, you know, I know my value. I know my worth. So if you look at it, I consider value to be the intersection of quality and price. So there's what something costs, which is price, obviously. And then there's how good it is. There's the quality. The intersection of those two is value. So Mercedes Benz, for example, they don't have a value problem, even though their cars are crazy expensive because their cars are crazy, nice and opulent and desirable. Louis Vuitton doesn't have a value problem. You know, Hyundai doesn't have a value problem. The car manufacturer Hyundai, their cars are very cheap. Neither does Toyota. Their cars are relatively cheap, but they're they're very reliable and they have a great warranty, which has value to people. My issue is, you know, you've got the amazing top producing, just awesome agents that really love what they do, charging 6%. And then you've got, for lack of a better word, just a lot of knuckleheads also charging 6% because that's what their broker tells them to charge. Right. And they're not worth it. They're just not worth it at all. Right. And they don't try to be worth it. They're just here taking up a seat in an office. And I think that's a problem in the real estate industry. And I think the consumer should have choice. Yeah, it is interesting that we pay basically the same amount, regardless of someone's experience, what they bring to the table, what their knowledge is, how long they've been in the business. And you're right. I mean, that's a valid point, I will say. And it's getting worse, right? I mean, think about it. Yeah. Like follow the money. The National Association of Realtors, the more realtors they produce, the, the more money they make, you know, and and the more realtors are produced, the, the higher simple economics, the higher the supply of realtors. You know, we're not building any more land in the United States. So we've gone from like 1.3 million to well over 2 million realtors in the past handful of years. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it was easy. Follow that to, line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, people were shut down uh, with the not working. So it was real easy to do an online real estate course, right? So. Right. What are your biggest pushbacks that you're getting? What are the challenges? Agents think that, so I have multiple problems. So as far as clients go, we have zero problems. I mean, I've, I used to go on, you know, tons of listing appointments every week. I can literally tell you that I, I, not, I did not get two listing appointments in five and a half years. And I got, I just, I got them all. And my agents get them all. Like if somebody goes on a listing appointment from my, my company and they don't get it, they call me and they like, oh my God, what went wrong? I didn't get this listing. I mean, that's how successful that is. It's just, it's a very easy pitch to the seller of, hey, I do a ton of deals, which means I'm experienced, which means I'm very good at what I do. And by the way, I'm only going to charge you this. You know, that, that sells very well. The challenge from agents is... Getting them to think like entrepreneurs and business people. So every realtor is a small business owner, right? Right. Every realtor is a quote unquote entrepreneur. So, you know, the mom and pop making screwdrivers or widgets all the way up to Apple and the iPhone or Elon Musk and Tesla, I guarantee you 
that they are looking at generating, creating a product or creating a service, figuring out what the, the public demands and what the public wants to be offered in this product or service, and then figuring out what client acquisition time and effort and money cost is. And then they're figuring out what they should charge for the product. That's the essence of being entrepreneur an entrepreneur is what should I charge based off what I'm producing and what does the public want? The problem with most realtors is they're trained to not think that way. Literally like, all right, I just became a realtor. I got my real estate license. I finished my online class. All right, here's what you're going to charge. And that's it. You know, there's no consideration for doing anything any different way. So for most realtors, they never stop and be actual business people and look at economics and simply say to themselves, okay, well, if I charge less for something, I'm going to get more of it. And the more I charge for it, the less of it I'm going to get. So what should I charge to list houses to make sure I get a ton of listings, which will generate a ton of buyers, which will mean sometimes I'm making a lower fee, but all these times, which is really often, we're making a higher fee. So mm-hmm. like for, for my typical agent, like 60% of their business is listings, 40% of their business is buyers. So 60% of the time they're making a small commission, 40% of the time they're making a big commission. Yeah. So they're making about 25 to 30% less per deal than their peers and doing five times as many deals as their peers. Mm. So that's, that's the math of it. But most realtors, like they are brainwashed to not think about it. Like, yeah. I, I can't allow myself to think that way. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you can bring in a transaction coordinator to help, with a lot of that paperwork that you pay an hourly fee really can make that bottom line much better in the long run. I know an agent would say, well, I mean, we've got that many listings and I'm, do- I'm bogged down doing all this paperwork and you know, all of that. I mean, I can, I can hear the arguments, but I can see if you're doing that much more business and you have help, you can certainly make the numbers work. And then are your agents or are you, how's that working? Are you building buyer team, buyer agents teams to take care of then those buyers? Because it looks like that would make sense to me. You have more listings that generates more buyers, sure. more sales. I mean, it's kind of interesting. So in a way I get where you're coming from. I met with one of the really big teams here in Louisiana and I don't want to say any names, but you know, they actually said, look, I'd make more money doing it your way. And they were, they're a very, very successful team. They said, look, I'd make more money doing it your way. I just, I can't leave my brokerage because I'm too tied to it. And I said, okay, why would you make more money doing it my way? And they said, I would go from 30 or 40 listings to 200 or 300 listings. And I would get, I would have so many buyers agents. It's ridiculous. And so that was their point of view, which in a way I agree with. But the uh, the flip side of it is, you know, that's where we recruit the best. We literally go to these teams and we tell them, okay, you know, Joe Byers agent on this team, you're not allowed to list homes and I can turn you into a listing rock star. And on top of that, you're giving up half of your buyer's agent money to your team leader. So... I can show you how to generate your own buyers and keep all that money. So basically they're opening, opening up another revenue stream that they haven't been given. They're already used to making half of what they currently make. And so the idea of them making 1.7, 1.8, 1.9 per deal, instead of making two and a half or three and then giving half of it to their team leader. I mean, that's not scary to them. That looks like a pay raise, right? Their fear is generating business, but with, with our way of doing things, it's, it's not hard to generate the business. You know, it's a lot, a lot. Are you doing <laughs> much marketing? We do a ton of marketing. Yeah. So tell me what that looks like. We've been doing search engine optimization. So like getting Google to rank you number one for, for certain keyword terms. We've been doing that ever since we created the company. I actually hired a digital marketing company that does SEO before I even launched the company. Um, I, I got a listing lead, for example. I'm in New Orleans. I got a listing lead the other day from Dallas. And dude literally reached out to me and was like, Hey, would you list my house? And I was like, where'd you find me? And he's like, you're on page one of Google in Dallas. If I try to save money selling my house. Wow. In a good week, I'll generate 5 million around the country, just random listing leads. And so, yeah. So for, from our standpoint, we're, if you're perceived by the public, now I'm, I'm not saying every agent does the same thing because there's rock star agents out there and then there's just knuckleheads, but 
if you're perceived by the public to be doing the same thing for the same fee, then you really have to work hard to distinguish yourself and create a brand for yourself. And agents struggle with that. For me, I just need to convince the world I exist and I'm good. Once they know I exist and I'm good, they, they chase me. And so, yeah, that's everything that we do is based around that, like trying to shine a big spotlight on the company. So we're, we're generally not sending out, you know, recipes and football schedules and stuff like that. We don't focus on that. Believe it or not, probably nine out of my top 10 producers don't even have a CRM. We don't, we don't do drip campaigns. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. You know, it's just every, every bit of energy and everything that we do is focused on just branding to the masses. You know, I jokingly say we're like the Paris Hilton of real estate. There's no such thing as bad press. There's just press. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. You said your role now has changed to selling franchises. And what does that look like? Where will that go? I know you you said you've something about C- Seattle and Rhode Island and a hundred franchises by the end of next year. This, you know, I mean, there's so many questions going on in my mind, so I'm trying to to pull it down to one question. But I mean, how did that dream come come to be? That's a long way from we're just going to go get a real estate license in this new place we have moved. And, you know, now and how long ago was that? So we founded the company basically in December 2015. Okay, that's a pretty short amount of time. It's a pretty short amount of time. I jokingly told my digital marketing guy, I said, look, I said, really, all I want to do, because I hated doing lead gen, but I loved working with clients. I told him, I said, look, I just want to invent a company and a brand where I can just coach soccer teams and baseball teams and basketball teams all weekend and go play more golf and have people chase me and try to get me to list their house so I can list more houses and then just work with buyers that are generated off of that. Like that was literally my goal. That's what I told him. If you're ever down here in New Orleans, go meet Dean and just say, hey, what did Grant tell you when he started this? He'll he'll laugh and tell you that story. Yeah, but you know what? That right there is, that's your whole marketing spill right there to an agent that you're working with. Because I mean, everybody's, they're burnt out and they're worn down and killing themselves. And so just to go back to that thought of, yeah, I just want to be able to, Mm-hmm. Do the things that I really love doing other than real estate, because I think some people, you know, think their whole life should be consumed with real sure. estate and, and there should be other things. So I think that right there, just to have that clarity of mind mm-hmm. is huge. So yeah. go ahead. I mean, I just I wanted yeah. I want to take that because I feel like so many agents are on this hamster wheel and they really want to pull their hair out. They love so, what they do, but there's it's no the side time. bullshit. <laughs> Pardon my French. It's the side bullshit that everybody hates. So like my wife, she was a Navy corpsman and which is like a battlefield nurse. So she's nuts. Like that's what she wanted to do. And she's obviously double nuts because she married my crazy self. But like then she was going to go be a nurse. And but what she was figuring out going through nursing school is like, I'm not spending my time taking care of people. I'm spending my time doing paperwork. And then, you know, most people get into to real estate because they're like, oh, I love touring houses and helping clients and helping them find their dream home. Like that looks awesome. What they don't realize is you get in and they teach you to cold call for hours in the hopes that you'll convert one appointment. And then you got what? Maybe a 60, 70 percent chance of converting that to a client. And so it's not real estate work that most people are doing. Most realtors hate it because they're like, I got into, the, into this to do real estate work. And all I'm doing is beating my head against the wall, trying to find somebody to let me do that. And that's why Zillow's rich because of that, when you stop and think about it. But, you know, for us, that that was my only goal. It's like I was okay making a little bit less money per deal as long as I could just spend all day long doing deals. That's all I cared about. And my initial focus was, okay, that was my mindset. And then it was the mindset that I learned earlier, which is, when I started focusing on just giving my clients a better bottom line and saving them some money and giving them a great customer service experience, all of a sudden I started doing more and more deals and making more and more money, even though I was focused less on what I was charging. In fact, I was charging less, you know, my focus was not what I was charging. It was that. And, and so basically I just took those core principles and turned it into a business model that shouted that from the rooftops. I'll give you our story, but here's the last crazy thing. Okay. 
And poll your friends if you don't believe this is true. All of my engineer friends, my lawyer friends, my surgical device sale friends, you know, all those people, even though I'm charging what I'm charging, they tell me they're like, you're grossly overpaid for what you do. They're like, you are grossly overpaid. They're like, you should see what I have to do to make the money you make. And then realtors talk to me and they're like, you are just giving yourself away. You do not value yourself. And there's just such a huge disconnect there. But, you know, I, I took that. I, I created a business that just shouted what we're doing from the rooftops. And we just we grew and grew and grew. Realtors saw what I was doing. And then they sat down with me and they're like, how are you making money? And I show it to them. They're like, oh, my God, you're making so much more money than I am. And you're not buying leads. And they started joining. And I started trying to figure out how to use a CRM. And I signed up for follow up boss. And there's an interesting article about me out there called how to scale your company to 100 million or something like that through follow up boss. And this girl interviewed me because follow up boss made a derogatory comment about lower fee companies. And I my wife saw it and wrote them on Facebook, said, hey, some of your clients are lower fee companies. You shouldn't talk bad about us. And they did a cool thing. They interviewed me. And whenever they interviewed me, they're like, oh, my God, this is the craziest interview ever. What are your future plans? And I was like. I don't know. We'll probably start franchising in two or three years or something. And literally the next day I had three franchise requests. Wow. And so I was like, man, I guess I better figure out how to do that. And so, you know, that was what, 2019. And then September, 2020, we started selling franchises. Six of my top 10 producers immediately bought franchise territories. We opened 22 in our first year and we're hoping we open another eight or so by the end of the year. And another 70 next year. That's, that's the goal. But it's literally, it's just like, it just exploded because agents are kind of like me. They're like, yeah, I'll make a little bit less. Just have me list houses all day long. Yeah. You know? So what does that look like? If somebody's interested in a franchise, what's that process like? Honestly, they just, they go to my website, 1percentlist.com. It's the number one, the word percent, then the word list, L-I-S-T-S.com and click franchise and submit a contact form. And, you know, read up about us, you know, Google me, Google the company, you know, Inman's done some stuff on us. You know, we've done some stuff in risk media and things like that. But, you know, do a little bit of research. But, you know, if you reach out to that, then I'm going to call you. And the way I look at most realtors is this. And you'd be shocked at how many realtors, even in our town, like we went from not existing in 2015 to having a 15 percent market share. And even here, realtors are like, I don't want to do, I don't want to get a coffee with you. I don't want to meet with you. And I'm like, I'm like, look, we're exploding. Yeah. You know, like a a, a random dude from your hometown is, you know, doing all this. And it's not because I'm special. I'm like, why don't you just let me buy you a sushi roll and you can learn what we're doing. And if you walk away at the end of it and be like, man, Grant's an idiot. This is stupid. It's never going to work. Okay, that's fine. But how can you not want to know? It's amazing to me the opposition that people have to something that is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is absolutely unbelievable. I get it because I I was in my mid-20s and I bought, I'll just throw it all out there, but I bought a Remax franchise. My my husband's family had had this city, country, real, I mean, we had a, an office, independent office in the city. We had an independent office in the country. My mother-in-law then bought a, a new location. We kind of were in the middle. We did a lot of rule. Everything we did was pretty much rule. And I was more the city girl. I wanted all, I wanted new construction listings. I wanted all this, but I, somebody sold me on it back in that, in that time, this we're talking about late eighties, early nineties, I guess it was the early nineties. Remax was really on the scene. And at that time they really promoted and I don't remember the term for it, but where you pay, you got, you got 90% or 95% of the listing, the commission fee. And then you paid a fee to be in the office. And, you know, it was sold to me like an attorney. I mean, like you're your own business. So just rent an office space. And, and I loved it. And I'm like, and then you get all your own leads. I mean, you got to realize things have changed a lot from back in the early nineties, but I can understand why if you're a top producer and you have all these listings, why you want somebody else to get your calls. And, you know, the desk person, the person that's watching the floor that day, floor duty to get all your calls. And it was 
to me, this is like the greatest thing I've ever heard. And yet my community was so closed minded to it. It took forever for that concept to be grasped. But, you know, unless you have that entrepreneur mindset and you're going to be open to something different and you're going to look at the numbers. I mean, I I get amazed at people that'll say they're $50,000 a year loyal to their to their broker. Really? I mean, that's a lot of money you're giving away. So pull back to be open minded. Yeah. So pull back from that and think about it. And and look, a lot of realtors look at it from that standpoint and I'm, I'm not picking at you by any means, but a lot of realtors look at that, that standpoint, like look at the money that I give my broker. Right. Um, and so what I do to realtors is I, I, I will routine routinely flip that on their head and I'll say, okay, so, there's a lot of companies out there with better splits now, right? So guess what right. happened? Technology and innovation happened. And because exactly. of technology and innovation, now Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. Now it's all Netflix. Right. And Blockbuster thought Netflix was stupid and they had the ability to buy Blockbuster or buy Netflix, but they thought it was stupid. And they just thumbed their nose at him. And now Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. Right. And so I look at it like, okay, technology, innovation, all this stuff happened. And so what changed? Like just since I've been in the industry for 10 years, what's changed? Okay. I went from a 50-50 split to now there's companies in my town that'll offer me a 100% split. And I've got to pay like a $200 transaction fee. Okay. And so... Now I don't get the, the 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 you know the cushy office and I don't get the donuts and the coffee, but I don't need that, you know. Right, absolutely. And so, so you look at the agent. The agent's bottom line has dramatically improved. Meanwhile, you know Thomas Edison invented the light bulb in 1880 and paid six percent to sell his house. Now we 3D print houses and we pay six <laughs> percent to sell a house. All of this technology and innovation and savings that brought more money and better bottom lines to the brokerage or the realtor, which allows EXP to exist and Realty One to exist and all these other companies that offer amazing splits or like a pyramid thing or stock shares, all that exists and has benefited the brokerage and the the realtor greatly. How has that benefited the client? And not at all. (laughs) Literally not at all. Like literally they pay the same fee that they have for 130 years. Not one penny. And yet... You know, you look at the average realtor and the average realtor is like, oh, I love it when lenders compete for my client's business because that means they drop their rates, which makes, saves my client money. But, you know, how dare you charge less money to list houses? You're going to ruin my industry. Yeah. It's like, you know, here's the thing. I don't hate those realtors. You know, I I look at them from the standpoint of, look, if you're charging 6%, believe it or not, my first listing was a really nice house at 8%, my very first listing. Okay. And so I've been down that road. I, I know how to convince the client that you're worth what you're worth and, and how to how to get that. I just found it more profitable and easier to do it my way. Right. And so my whole thing is I don't hate the agent that does that. Like my, my kids go to golf school every Thursday. I sit there. I literally sit on the porch, watch my kids learn how to play golf with another realtor who's like the bougie realtor in town. I mean, she's 6% across the board and she's a rock star and she goes the extra five miles for her clients. And we talk for an hour every Thursday and she tells me, you're nuts. I can never do business this way. And I tell her, you're nuts. I can never do the business this way. But then we sit there and, and drink alcohol together and we have a great time and watch our kids. And it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't well, hate her. Absolutely. Like, and, and and everybody is not going to do the same thing. And no, I am very much a, and I'm very much a proponent of charge what you're worth, get people will appreciate when they pay for something, they get value from that and they understand the value in that. But I'm also open-minded enough to say, Hey, there might be a different way or a better way of doing things. I think there are those top producer realtors that are going to bring so much to the table that if they can get somebody to pay an 8% commission, then go for it. I mean, I mean, why not? But I think that you're also hitting it the hammer when you're saying there's agents out there that are spending all of their, a lot of money and a lot of time and energy on things that are not income producing. And this might be something to think about. No, no doubt. And, and look, I, 
I stirred the pot on Real Estate Mastermind and Facebook one day because I made a post that says, if you signed up for Op City or if you write Zillow a, a two or three or $4,000 check every month, I got news for you. You're a discount agent. You just don't think you are. Mm. And literally like the ground shook. And all these people like, you know, started sharing the gif of the guy throwing out the lawn chair to sit and watch the conversation because like agents, they don't like thinking about themselves that way. You know, they're, they're trained not to think about themselves that way. Like, look, they'll, they'll give Zillow money. They'll pay huge referral fees. They'll, they'll grind themselves to a pulp to get a deal. But when they charge 6%, even if they only do four deals a year, they'll look down on me. My company mm -hmm. will do thousands of deals. Yeah. And they're going to look down on me. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So are your agents in your office, are they having to work to get listings or are those calls just coming in list my house? Very little. Very little. Very, like my agents are doing, generally speaking. So I equate this to like standing at the top of a snowy hill is how, how I relate this to agents. And I tell them some agents are standing at the top of the hill with a big, huge snowball. And all I do is drop it on the hill and it rolls, rolls down the hill and gets huge. I literally have a girl who used to be at one of the big brokerages. I'll share this. I'll share you her stats afterwards if you like. Her best every year, she worked probably 45, 50, 60 hours a week, most of that doing lead gen, and she made 120 grand. Okay. And this is at one of the biggest brokerages here in town. She was on a team. She came to me and now all she does is post fun stuff on Facebook and Instagram. And last year she made 290. Wow. And she, she doesn't buy a single lead. Okay. Wow. And, and she did, she did a little over, I think 46 transactions last year and she'll do 55 to 60 this year. And I asked her, I said, so how's this year going? She's like better than last year. And I said, you working? She's like, I'm not really working at it. She said, I, I my sphere is so huge now. She mm -hmm. said, I don't, I don't even have to. She's like, I don't have to post anymore. I post whenever like a, I list a house whenever I'm closing. I post something, I post something cute, but mm -hmm. I'm not posting cute stuff all day long like I did last year to try to generate business because it just comes to me. Yeah. How much and, time is she working now? Uh, she's probably working 25 hour weeks. Wow. 25, 30 hours. And what and is the value of that? She'll make, she'll, she'll probably do, I mean, she'll probably do another 280, 290 this year, but I mean, she's not working hard. But she's not working hard because she's got a value proposition that has people chasing her. So I've got some realtors like her who started out with a big following and literally they just start the snowball rolling down the hill and they're fine. I've got some realtors who, you know, have a smaller snowball. And it takes a little bit more time. I, and I've got some realtors who don't have a snowball at all. Mm -hmm. They're like I was when I started. They have to build a snowball and roll it down the hill. But yeah. my top agent this year will, she was doing about 8 million a year in sales. The year she joined me, she did 16. And this year she'll do 35 million on her own. Oh she, my goodness. She'll literally close a hundred transactions by herself, make over half a million dollars. And, and that's without a team? No, no team by herself. Oh my goodness. That's no. amazing. Yeah. I'll share you her market view broker stats after this. And literally all she does is she runs Google ads some Facebook stuff you know, sends out postcards. She'll send out a postcard every quarter. She lives in this big, huge neighborhood and she'll send out a postcard every quarter about how much money she saved her clients. And she just, she dominates that neighborhood. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well, my mind's blown. I, I find this all <laughs> fascinating. How you thought it was going to go? Oh, well, I mean, it's just, uh, just fascinating. It really is. And I, you know, gosh, makes me think. I haven't had a real estate license in years. I think I need to get my license and open a franchise up here in Northeast Ohio. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It really is. And I, I know some of our listeners are going to probably want to inquire and, and may want to reach out to you. If you do listeners, let them know that you're reaching out because of the podcast. I would love to kind of know that maybe drop me a note. Let me know you're reaching out to grant, even if that's just a conversation, Tell again, how's the best way to get in touch with you, Grant? You can go to the number one and then the word percent and then the word lists, L-I-S-T-S dot com and just click on, you know, own a franchise. There's a franchise form there. You can email me. My email is grant at one percent list dot com. You can, I mean, find me on social media. I'm all over the place. You can go to grantclayton.com. We have a website for me. I thought it was kind of hokey to have a website for me, but my digital marketing guy is like, dude, you have to. He's like, you're doing something really weird, really different, and you need to talk about it. So you can go to my web, you know, grantclayton.com and just say, hey, I want to talk to Grant. That's fine too. 
So I have to bring this all the way back. What's your wife doing now? <laughs> I jokingly say I create chaos all day and my, my lovely wife fixes it. She is the broker for the home office and she also does uh, onboarding and administrative work for uh, the, the franchise side of the company. And she's raising my eight-year-old William and my six-year-old Emily, which I'm also doing. And that's why I was late today. I'm sorry. I bring my kids to school every day. It's my <laughs> No, that is not a problem. Well, not a problem. Uh, yeah. So, we, I mean, just busy. We're, we're just busy, busy, busy. Just doing very different things, but both very, well, very busy. I hope you're keeping some margin in your life, but it sounds like if you're sitting there on the porch while the kids are having golf lessons, that's that's a little bit of margin, I, I call it. So, Right. Totally good. And so important. And hopefully this, um, you know, I think you started all of this so that you would have those weekends free to coach and do all the things that you want to do. And so I hope that now this isn't taking over your life and you're keeping the balance and enjoying all the things that are important in life. Yeah. So I, I get grief from the kids sometimes because I spend too much time on the phone. Uh, I can't yeah. lie. I, I mean, I spend way too much time on the phone, but at least, you know, I have a conversation with my kids. and I'm like, look, you know, there's a lot of moms and dads that they're out of the house by six o'clock every day and they don't get home until five thirty or six o'clock. But then you have them all to yourself. Like me, you know, I, I bring my kids to breakfast in the morning. We'll go, we'll go eat breakfast at some restaurant. I literally walk them to the school door. I wave at them through the window when they're walking in class. You know, we're picking them up from school. We're playing video games together, board games together, we go play golf together. So they get a ton of me and my wife. They just got to deal with a little bit of phone while they have yeah. us. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's not a bad trade off. No, I agree. It's, it's the world we live in, unfortunately, but find those technology free days every once in a while. I encourage you, but Grant, it's been a great interview and I really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of people right now are scratching their head. Like, Oh my goodness. They, they'll probably rewind. Like I got to listen to this again, but it's been some interesting content and I'll be interested to hear what kind of feedback we get. I will put the links in the show notes to how people can get in touch with you as well. So thanks a lot for taking time to do this. Hey, thank you for having me. There's there's so many people that would not consider something different. And just because we're different doesn't mean we're anti-realtor. I love realtors. Um, I'll leave it with this. What I tell realtors is imagine if if Redfin stopped focusing on corporate profit and started focusing on agent profit and customer experience. That's what we're about. Like mm. you can take that model. Yeah. And leverage it to have a much better life, make much more money, and just be much more fulfilled in your career. And that's what we're doing. And we're not, I don't hate agents. I love agents. I am an agent. I just, I think there's different ways. And it never hurts to just learn about it. And if you decide it's not for you, it's not. But it might be if you're open yeah, to it. You know? Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. it. I wish you the very best. Absolutely. And, and you as well. Thank you for having me. And uh, have a great weekend. All right. Well, I would love to know what you're thinking right now. Please send me a note. You can send me an email, april at theconnexusgroup.com. You can find me on social media. I'm Coach April Mack on Instagram, also on LinkedIn. And would love to know just what you're thinking about this interview today. Let's all be open-minded and just realize everything is always changing. And are we going to be the people that are always stuck in the mud and not open to new ideas? I'm not saying you've got to go be a franchise owner or join Grant's team, but I think it's so important to be open-minded that the world is constantly changing and just to be open-minded to that. With that said, just some closing thoughts I want to share with you. The fact that there's, I'd love to know what challenges that you are facing in your business. And I really love working with top producers and people that are building a great business, have built a great business. But I know with that comes great challenges. And often those biggest challenges are having margin in our life to do the things that we enjoy, that real estate is not consuming every thought and every area of our life and creating margin in our life. And this is one of the things that I coach people on. I coach individually privately. I coach not only real estate agents, but I, I coach executives, entrepreneurs, 
because I feel like that is one area that is so important. We're not going to get to the end of our life and regret that we didn't have one more listing or have one more sale, but we will regret if we didn't take the blessings from the business and have margin in our life to enjoy those blessings. And so there's great ways and action steps that we can take to create margin in our life. The other thing is I have a cohort that we will be starting the first of the year, and I would love to invite you. I'm going to be doing a Zoom call very soon where those of you that are interested will get on that Zoom call. I'll give you more information, and you'll know a little bit more about what that cohort looks like. But that cohort, we meet twice a month for one hour each time. In that time, everyone on the cohort are top producing agents or on their way to being top producing agents. And we take one of our sessions in the month and we go over the Bergman. The Bergman is a assessment that measures your nine emotional intelligence behaviors. And it is one of the finest elite assessments that are out there used in top, uh, top executives are using the Berkman assessment. So we go through one of our sessions, looking at the Berkman assessment, yours individually, and that assessment is going to help you understand what you really need in your life, what your stress reactions are when you don't have the things that you need and really how well you cope with that. So these we take those nine categories, those nine behaviors, emotional behaviors, intelligent behaviors. Sorry, I'm not saying it right, but we look at those in one of those sessions. And then the second sessions, we take what are your challenges in your business. And from all of the people on that call, a maximum of 12, what are the challenges that you're facing? And we address those and we allow you to speak into one another on that call, challenge one another. It is iron sharpening iron. And I believe it is just as valuable as the private one-on-one coaching. So I want to encourage you to reach out to me as that cohort will fill up. And we do a maximum of 12 people in that cohort meet twice a month. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Reach out to me. My email address will be in the show notes, April at the Again, you can find me on social media. I have a, a Facebook coach, April Mac. I have Instagram and I also am on LinkedIn and I am the worst about posting on social media. I will just tell you, but you can find me there and reach out and message me or send me an email, april at theconnexusgroup.com. All right. Well, it's been great. I hope you've enjoyed the interview. I'd love to hear your feedback. Please share the podcast with other people and I'll see you on the next one.